So I thought it would be a good idea to start the year with a little tour through Genesis chapter one, um, where we can establish some things that I think are very, very important. And uh, we assume these truths, but I think that in many respects, uh, much of the, the world has begun to depart from these. So if you've got your bulletin, um, the very first point on the bulletin is really the point to the whole message, and it's not something new. It's something that is rather obvious or should be rather obvious to us, and yet people are walking away from this truth, and it is the, the truth that uh, the, the children just uh, learned or were reminded of. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? So, God created the universe. For a long time, for many, many years, uh, people who were not Hebrews or Christians believed that the universe was simply eternal. They, uh, they adhered to a particular theory that has been called by physicists the steady state theory. And that was that basically everything has always been. Well, the reality is something has always existed. Would you agree? That's just reason, because from nothing, nothing comes. Nothing produces nothing. Nothing can't produce something. So the reality is something has always existed, or rather someone, in the case of those of us who believe in the existence of God, has always existed. So in the early 20th century, physicists, um, really, really smart guys like Einstein and others started looking at the stars and looking at the way things move. And I'm not going to get into all the detail that I normally would with something like this. I'm just going to tell you that evidence, scientific evidence, indicates that the universe has not always existed. That it came into existence at a point and it is progressing gradually outwards. If you follow current scientific understanding and scientific theory, the universe is somewhere in the vicinity of 13.7 billion years old, but it started at a point in time. That means that it agrees with the scripture and not uh, the Greeks and not scientists in earlier eras who said the universe has always existed, that matter and energy were just eternal. They're not. The universe came into existence in the beginning. So that agrees with what the scripture says, that there was in fact a beginning. And as I was talking to uh, a new friend of mine this morning, there will be an end. Amen? Yeah. You see, there are people that just, they don't believe this. And you need to understand that making an assumption other than this puts you outside of the realm of reality. It puts you in a position where you can start making things up as you go. And that's what a lot of people are doing today, right? In the beginning, that means there was a beginning. In the beginning, God, that means God already was at the beginning. So there's a simple argument for the existence of God that goes like this. It's called the Kalam cosmological argument. Everything that begins to exist has a cause for its existence. That's very simple, isn't it? It makes sense, doesn't it? That's logical. Everything that starts has a cause. It has something or someone that started it. 
Now, there are people that would answer back and say, okay, yeah, well, but what about God? Hey, who, who caused God? Hey, where did God come from? Let's back up a step. Something or someone has always existed. The universe doesn't fit that description. The multiverse is speculation. There's no evidence, scientific evidence of a multiverse. There is theory. And it is theory that is primarily put forth by atheists who are also scientists who are trying to figure out how this could have come into existence in a mere 13.7 billion years. They want to go back to that steady state idea that there's something going on that is material that has always gone on. They just don't want to admit that there could be an entity, an essence, an intelligence outside of the universe that brought it into existence. But the reality is, uh, you will hear physicists today, you will hear cosmologists who are atheists today say, well, the universe just bootstrapped itself into existence. So what they're doing is they are defying logic, they're defying reason, and they are saying that something indeed came from nothing. But nothing produces nothing. But we would say that God brought the universe into existence out of nothing, but that's not Nothing, that's God exercising his power, exercising his intellect, and doing what God does, creating. God is the creator. What I'm trying to get at is that it is a reasonable assumption. In fact, it is the most reasonable assumption to put forth that God indeed created the universe. So, um, Let's look at several things here. The universe is not the result of blind chance. In other words, it didn't come into existence of its own accord and progress without any sort of outside help to the place where we come into existence, these magnificent, intelligent beings. Now, you know, we would see some people misusing their intelligence and say, well, they don't seem to be all that intelligent. But the reality is human beings are amazingly intelligent. Um, your brain is the most con complex thing in the universe. Your brain is. That is right inside your skull, right there. And the idea that somehow this came about as the result of sheer chance is sheer nonsense. So uh, the argument that I just gave you earlier was called the, the Kalam cosmological argument. And sometimes it's just shortened as the cosmological argument. The universe has not always existed. It has a beginning. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe, therefore, uh, theologians would say the universe is contingent. That means it's dependent upon something or someone else outside of itself. It doesn't exist independently. But God, by definition, and this is my answer to those who would say, oh yeah, well, where did God come from? Something or someone has always existed, number one. Number two, the definition of God is he is the necessary being. God did not come into existence and he will not go out of existence. Something has always existed. You either try to make the uh, uh, assumption or you try to put forth some sort of proposition that says that the universe has always existed, which scientists uh, have opposed in the 20th century, or you come forth with a proposition that 
there is in fact a, an intelligence, an all-powerful intelligence that is beyond the universe, that brought the universe into existence out of nothing materially, but out of his own resources, he brought the universe into existence. God, by definition and by nature, is beyond space and time. He's above our three dimensions of space and our one dimension of time. God is timeless. And the reason why we would say that God is omnipresent is because God is not limited by space. Now, God became a human being in Jesus and chose to limit himself for a period of time in space and time. But God, by definition, is the necessary being and he is above and he is beyond space and time. This is not radical. It is only radical to those who simply do not want to have a, a, a being that is capable of telling them what to do, right? That is capable of reading them the rules. We would say um, after... Uh, um, one of the uh, doctors of the church, that God is the ground of all being. He is the essence of existence. He is the one who brought everything into existence, and he is the one who sustains the existence of everything. Now, this is an important assumption, and it is found in Scripture in this one little verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, there was a beginning. God, God already was in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. That means he was outside of the universe. He's not limited by the universe. If God is limited by material, if he's limited by the universe, then he goes the way of the universe. And what we would say is the universe is subject to the second law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics is the law of entropy. All matter proceeds toward chaos. All energy proceeds toward death. That means God will eventually die if you think God is a material being. But God is not a material being. God is above that and God is beyond that. And there is good reason to believe that and there is revelation to believe that. Number two, complex order and design reinforce this reality that God created the universe, okay? Um, we would call this the teleological argument. So the first argument, everything that begins to exist has a cause for its existence, is the cosmological argument. The teleological argument for God's existence comes from the reality that there is complexity and order in the universe. And that is not natural. That is something that is imposed. We impose order upon things. As I indicated earlier, the universe is subject to entropy. All matter is proceeding toward what? Chaos, that's disorder. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. I mean, drive your car for a while and it just starts getting dirty, doesn't it? I mean, my, my truck is filthy right now. It's, you know, but it's like every time I think about running through the car wash, it, it rains again, right? And if you just take your hands off and you don't, you don't pay attention, your room gets dirty, your house gets dirty, the interior of your car just fills up with stuff. That's just the way things are. You have to impose order on it. You have to make it happen. Parents, you have to impose order on those children. Or they're just chaotic, aren't they? There is nothing more chaotic than a room full of preschoolers. Or Washington, D.C. right around election time. You got a bunch of toddlers there too. Ah, we didn't get our way. It doesn't matter if they're left or right. As I told you, left and right, two wings, same bird. Okay. We just need to make sense. Is what we need to be. What we need to do. 
So what a philosopher would say is design evinces a designer. There is design evident everywhere in the universe. There is design evident with you. You are designed. There is a super intelligence that has monkeyed with the chemistry and the physics of the universe to bring it to the place where it is now. That's essentially the teleological argument. That if you see order, if you see design, then there's an intelligence behind it. So, here's the easiest way. I, I've used this, uh, this example before. If you were walking along, I have uh, these pictures on my uh, screen all the time. I use an Apple TV to, uh, to stream stuff and uh, it will do the screensaver and it goes to these really, really cool pictures. And one of them is a picture of the Sahara Desert. You seen pictures of the Sahara Desert? It's just sand, man. It's like an ocean of sand. And it looks like waves, as a matter of fact. And it just blows and it's just sand. I want you to imagine that you are walking across the Sahara Desert. Now that's not easy to do, not easy to survive. You are walking across the Sierra, De the Sierra, the Sahara Desert, the Sierra Desert, that's in California. Okay, you are walking across the Sahara Desert and suddenly you saw one of these. And take the wallet case off of it and just imagine it's just, you know, a smartphone. Pick your favorite version, okay? I don't care what brand it is. You saw one of these. What would you immediately assume? Someone was there. Another human being was there. Someone intelligent was there. Would you assume when you saw this on the Sahara Desert that it came into existence of its own accord? Would you assume, and you would say, you are so smart, you would say, no, this has a, a, a silicon-based chip in it. And sand is actually silica, which is used in that. So what I think happened is over billions of years with all of this blowing dust, it blew together into this intelligent phone. Well, that's just stupid. And yet, there are those who would have you believe that you exist and you are, you think that this thing is smart. No. Have you ever tried to use Siri? I'm sorry. That's, that intelligence is about as artificial as you get right there. That chick never gets what I say right. I mean, I'll say stuff all the time. I'm surprised I said the word. I'm surprised it didn't come on and say, yes, and you're stupid and you need to go to this website. And yeah. So you wouldn't assume that. You would assume that someone had been there. And further, you would assume that some highly intelligent being with some incredible engineering capability and mechanical capability put this thing together. And yet people would have you believe that you came into existence from sheer chance? I'm sorry, I'm not buying it, all right? As, uh, as one author said, uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, right? Number three, there is a way that things are supposed to be because God made them that way. Now, I, I really, I know this is like super simple, 
You know, I, I got that. I'm not trying to teach you something new. I'm trying to reinforce something that is absolutely central for you to hang on to because you're living in a world that wants to erase this. And we're seeing the results of that. And I don't want to get into the negative this morning, but there are a lot of very, very uh, profound negative results that come as, as uh, in consequence of rejecting that there is a God who created heaven and earth. Right? People denying who they are and how they were born and thinking that they just can do whatever they want to do. So there is a way things are supposed to be because God made them a certain way. That means there is a way you are supposed to be because God made you that way. This is made a certain way. I have to use certain equipment to charge it. So, um, you know, I had older phones for a while and, uh, you know, they came along before there was wireless charging. Now, I don't ever get to use wireless charging because I have this this wallet case and it won't wirelessly charge. But if I pulled this off and I had a wireless charger, I could just lay it down on top of there and that inductive charging would send the current up into the phone and it would charge. But if I had a phone from 2010 and I were to lay it on a wireless charger, what would happen? Nothing. Well, at least hopefully nothing. I don't know if, you know, laying it on top of it would catch on fire or something. I don't know. Okay. But ideally nothing would happen. It simply would not charge. All right. So uh, several years ago, Apple changed their little doodad at the bottom of this thing. Used to be a little wide doodad. Now it's a little narrow doodad. Yeah. You like that doodad? So I can't stick the wide doodad in there anymore. I got to get the little narrow doodad and stick it in there. If I try to stick the wide doodad in there, this thing won't charge. If I were to get a hold of one of those older phones, you know, 2010 or, or earlier, I mean, I got the first iPhone. I had iPhone 1, 2000, whatever that was, 7, right? And that had the wide doodad. Try to stick the wide doodad in here. You think it's going to charge this phone? No. no. Try to stick the little narrow doodad from this one into one of the old phones. You think it's going to charge that phone? No. Because there is a way this is supposed to be. This is designed a certain way. You are designed a certain way. Yep. I bet you can figure out what I would say next. <laughs> Number four, everything was originally created to be good. Right now. Let's get back into Genesis. Hey, by the way, I got a new preaching Bible. Pretty awesome. It's my, my gift from me to me for after Christmas, I guess you would say. From Daryl to Daryl. Oh, yes. Amen. I'm going to read the end of the chapter. This is, verse, uh, this is Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. And this is New American Standard Bible. I'm sorry. I, I like the ESV. I think it's great. It's a newer and literal translation. But I just bought an NASB because I love the NASB. That's what I used to preach out of. And that's what I'm going to start preaching out of again. Not for everything, but yeah, for a lot of things. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, 
and every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Now, here's the verse that we're going to look at right now. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. Everything was originally made to be good and not just good. God says what? Very good. Matter is not evil, right? Your physical body has certain urges, appetites, and we often assign those as somehow being evil, and that's primarily because they, they sort of take over, right? Food is good, friends. Yeah. All right? Food and drink and if you're married, other things are good. They're very good. God designed them. But what happens when those appetites take over? Then they become bad. Now, we're going to talk about that because we're going to go through Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. And in Genesis 3, we're going to see the reason why there is bad and there is evil in the world. But for now, you need to understand that God's intention is for everything to be good. And if you will stay in bounds, if you will do things the way God says to do things, you can experience the goodness of his creation. This is a reason, I, you know, we're doing our, our, our body fat competition right now, but this is a reason to be healthy so that you can feel good. Amen. So that you can do good. Right. I want you to be healthy. We don't all need to look alike. Right? We're not all trying to be fitness models or something, but we can all be healthier. I figured out a long time ago, I'm never going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's old now, but still, I'm kind of old now. But back in the day, man, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work out and look like Arnold. You know, look at those old bodybuilder pictures. It just never worked for me. But one of the things that has happened is working out has helped me to stay healthy. Your body is good. All right? Just hang in there with me. There is a tendency uh, sometimes in Christian circles and sometimes in, in worldly circles as well to degrade the body. Now, I've told you this before, and parents, you're, you're way ahead of me on this. But again, I'm not trying to tell you something new. I'm trying to reinforce what we should be doing. When you talk to your children about their anatomy, use real terms. Okay? Men... We don't have junk because God doesn't make junk. Did you hear me? God makes good things. And even those parts of your body are not evil. They're just very powerful. And they have a tendency to take over. But see, we err when we teach children that there are certain things that are dirty. That's dirty. Don't talk about that. That's dirty. God didn't make anything dirty. You and I do. God makes things good. So there's a way to talk to your children about these things. And when the age is appropriate, you can move into more complicated matters. But it starts by just helping them to understand there's nothing wrong with any part of their body. But that doesn't mean that they need to be displaying that to everyone either, because there are parts of our body that obviously should be kept private. But that doesn't mean they're dirty. That doesn't mean they're wrong. Everything is good. Amen? Amen? Number four. Everything was originally created to be good. All right, that was, I'm sorry, that wasn't number four. Number five. 
Humans are exceptional because we are created in God's image. And that was the verse that you heard me read, um, that God created man, humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Uh Uh-oh. What did it say? Wait a minute. What What did it say? He created them what? Oh, you say, oh, that's, that's, that's that Old Testament. I don't, I don't believe that Old Testament. Guess what? Jesus quoted this verse. In fact, uh, Pastor Craig is teaching out of Matthew, and I'm sure you guys have already encountered this. Jesus straight up said, have you not heard that from the beginning, God created them male and female, and a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife so the two become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Oh, we just decide we're going to do whatever we're going to do with gender and marriage and everything like that. No, there is a way things are supposed to be. And he created you, female. He created me, male. He created you, male, in his image. That's what makes us exceptional. Animals are amazing. And we need to to recognize that they're God's creation. And if you have a pet, you need to take care of your pets. But pets are not people. I know, but they're not. (laughs) They're amazing. But I want you to notice something. You know, it's been said that the the dog is man's best friend. That's not true. It's just not. You see, we're going to see this next week, but God isolated Adam by creating him first and he let them he let Adam go through all the creation and meet all the animals and it said none of them corresponded to him we superimpose certain traits on our pets and we make them human we we personify them but they're just amazing pets you said, well, are you trying to say my, my dog doesn't have a soul? No, I'm trying to say your dog doesn't have a spirit. You do. We'll get into this next week. I'm not trying to degrade your pet. I'm trying to elevate you. I'm trying to help you to understand who you are. You are exceptional. You are unique. You're not just a glorified monkey. <laughs> now, The body plan of a chimpanzee is very close to the body plan of a human being. We share a lot of genetic material. But that little fraction of an amount of genetic material that is different makes us vastly different. You are not exceptional simply because you are intelligent. You are exceptional because you have a spirit that is capable, once it is brought to life, of communing with Almighty God. God created you and I in his image. And to defy that is another reason why our culture is so confused right now, right? Number six, humans were created to rule over the rest of the creation. Now, there's all sorts of of discussion and you're going to hear it and day and night you're going to hear it uh, about climate change in the coming days because we have a new administration, right? Regardless of that, we have been put in charge of being good stewards of this planet. We need to take care of it. So it really doesn't matter whether you buy into all of the debate and argumentation about climate change. We should be taking care of this planet because God put us in charge of it. 
you should be taking care of animals, your pets and so forth, because God put us in charge of it. And he wants to treat them. He wants us to treat them with dignity. He wants us to treat them with respect. He wants us to treat them uh, humanely. Yeah. Right? You got these you know, crazy people that are out there torturing animals and so forth, and you know that's that's not acceptable in in society anymore. But there's just enough people out there that just you know think that uh, an animal is no better than you know a piece of paper that I can just go out and no. We need to understand God was the first one to be. Uh, very, very concerned about our environment. He created it, and he wants you and I to take care of it. God is concerned that we maintain uh, ecological health in our planet. But you are supposed to be in charge, not the animals, not the planet, okay? That's a very, very important distinction to make, all right? Um, listen to this scripture from Psalm 115. And that, that's from, by, by the way, that's from Genesis 128. It says he put us in charge. But I, I got this, uh, this little verse this morning from my reading. Um, the scripture in Psalm 115, 15 and 16 says, May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord. Now that's, that's right. That's not just space, what is beyond the earth, but that is this extra dimensional space. You know, people are like, oh, well, you know, multiverse and other dimensions and so forth. Of course, there are other dimensions. And if you will, uh, another universe, because where is God? Well, he's everywhere. Show him to me. You can't point to him. Well, I can show you that he's made a difference in my life. He, he has and he does. But God exists elsewhere. He exists above time and space. Call that an alternate universe. Call that a parallel universe. Call that uh, extra dimensional space. But God exists beyond us. Amen? All right? The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the sons of men and daughters of men. He's given the earth to us. We need to take care of it. Number seven, and that's the, this is the last one. The universe exists for a reason. Now, that is another argument for the existence of God. William Lane Craig likes to uh, use this argument that comes from a philosopher uh, in the 18th century, 17th, 18th century, his name was uh, Leibniz. And he said, everything that exists has a reason for its existence. The universe exists. So the universe has a reason for its existence. What is the reason for the existence of the universe? See, scientists today would not agree with this line of thinking. But if there is a reason for the existence of the universe, then that reason is God. Because God is the creator of reason and purpose and intelligence. What is the reason that you exist? What is the reason the universe exists? To glorify God. Amen? Listen to this from Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky his craftsmanship. The heavens, the sky, space, extra-dimensional space, whatever you, they all declare the glory of God. You're here to glorify God, not glorify yourself, not live for yourself. You and I need to understand that. This is why we get so confused and, and we get so uh, uh, dead and, and, and dry and, and feeling purposeless in life because we don't understand why we exist. You don't exist for you. Yeah. 
You don't even just exist for other people, even your significant other. You exist for God. As Augustine, St. Augustine said, we are restless until we find rest in him. You were created to glorify God. You were created to worship God. That's why you exist. And if you're chasing anything else, you're going to find you're just never fulfilled. You're just never happy. Now, you and I may find, often find, that we fall short of the glory of God. That's called sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean we have to stay there. Amen? Amen. We start putting our trust in the Lord Jesus. We start following God. We start glorifying God again. And we start living up to the reason or the purpose for our existence. I like this uh, from 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Hey, it's a good universe. It's got some good stuff in it. So all you need to do is focus on Jesus and whatever you do, do it in his name. That's another uh, way of looking at this from Colossians. Whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. And if you can't do it to the glory of God, then you just don't do it. Amen? Now, this has been a simple message today. My intent was not to go any deeper than to help you to understand the important implications of this truth that God created the heavens and the earth. Wednesday, I'm going to go verse by verse through chapter one, and we're going to talk about some things that you might be interested in talking about like whether the universe was created in six days or whether it was longer than that. How do we, or can we, make any sort of uh, an accord between science and the scripture? So I've got a whole teaching on this. It would have taken an hour to do it this morning. Aren't you glad I didn't do it? (laughs) But Wednesday, I will. You say, okay, pastor, I'll sure be there for that one. But I always teach for an hour on Wednesday. We start at seven and I'm done at eight or so. This last week I finished Jude, so I went over a little bit, all right? But you would be invited. I want you to understand that you exist for a reason. That reason is to glorify God, but that you and I fall short of God's glory and we need to return to the Lord. We need to be restored to the Lord. And we do that by turning away from our self-centeredness, our rebellion, our disbelief, and turning toward the Lord Jesus and affirming that he is the one and only son of the one and only God who came to save us, who came to deliver us, who came to heal us, who came to make us all that God intended for us to be. Let's pray together, and then we're going to worship uh, one more time. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your people today on this very important topic, timely topic, I think, um, appropriate for the beginning of the year. And I pray that although I probably have said nothing today that was new to anyone, that we will reaffirm this reality that in the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth, that you created each of us for a purpose, and the purpose is to glorify you. May we do that. May we seek to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.